Sydney and Kuala. Did I say that right? All right. Uh, happy Chinese New Year in advance. Uh, it's going to be a fun time. It's going to be a, a good time with family and friends. And, um, you know, Chinese New Year always brings a very nice feeling, whether you're Chinese or not. Because if you're Chinese, you get to uh, hang out with family and reunion and, and uh, uh, eat all kinds of food. If you're Malaysian, you get to eat all kinds of food. If, you don't, if you're not Chinese, you get to eat all kinds of food and hang out with friends. So actually, everyone celebrates Chinese New Year, right? Yeah, and you have holiday and stuff like that. All right. Let's pray before we get into God's Word. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for this wonderful morning, O Lord. We thank you for this, for a wonderful time of worship and just celebrating you and who you are and acknowledging your greatness through our lives, God. Even as we get into your Word, Father, we pray, anoint me even as I bring your Word. Anoint every listener, Lord, so that the Word will just be so real and fresh in our lives, God. We give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know what my favorite part of Chinese New Year is? <laughs> no, no, that was last year's sermon, the Bakwa sermon, okay? No, no, uh, okay. Bakwa is, yes, probably my favorite part of Chinese New Year. Uh, but there's another part which is like really cool. It happens around, what? Okay, not food this time. It happens around Chinese New Year, happens around Hari Raya, around Merdeka, sometimes Deepavali, yes. Yeah, I'm talking about those, those advertisements. Have you seen those? You know, some are, some are really good, right? So today, I, I just want to um, show you one of those, those uh, really good advertisements. It's not from this year, but I think it's from a couple of years ago. Uh, just have a look at it, then I'll come back to you. How easy it is for us to forget what it was like. when we were once family. The times we shared. to forget how to love. How easy it is for us to forget how to smile. Easy to forget. Papa, it's me, Papa. 
But it's even harder not to love. Amazing how stories are told so nicely around Chinese New Year, you know. And uh, okay, you want, anyone needs tissues? I uh, can pass it around. <laughs> you know, it's it's uh, something about a father's love, you know, for children, which is just so amazing. And I think that that Ed took it so uh, so told the story so well, you know. And and you can see in that son's life, there were seasons in his life. Time when he was enjoying his life, uh, and then uh, a time and not so nice uh, time with the dad, whether it was his own rebellion or whether it was, um, you know, just wanting to do his own thing. And then he left, and something happened, and he came back to the family. And somehow it was, even if he rejected the authority and, and, and the place of where his father w was coming from, it was the father's love that went and carried him back and brought him back on his feet. And I think that was just an amazing story. I'm a firm believer in seasons in our life. Um, I remember when I was uh, just in my early 20s, I just started working for a couple of years, and um, I was working for this firm, and we were doing pretty well. And then about six months into it, I, uh, the firm didn't get, got into some financial troubles, so couldn't pay us our salary. And about two to three months into it, they told us just hang on, you know, we'll, we'll, we are doing what we can do and, and try and, and get our salary out. But by the third month, uh, I was depleted, I was still spending for the company, uh, my, I, my claims were not coming back in and my savings was depleted. I was down to my last 50 ringgit. And that, that was a time when they were changing the ATM card from the magnetic strip to the chip. So the ATM also couldn't work. Yes, there was a time when ATM cards did not have chips, okay? It was just those magnetic strips there. And, and so, 50 ring in a bank, I couldn't get it out. And uh, it was lunchtime, and I was around the Hartamas area, I remember. And um, so I went to my car, and I, uh, you know, you've always got coins in your car, right? Uh, nowadays less, but you know, there's still coins in the car. So I rummaged through, I got as much coins as I could, looked under the mat, looked in between the seat and stuff like that. And I managed to get two ringgit and 40 cents. You know, and I went to this shop in Hartamas and uh, uh, ordered mi um, goreng and ice kosong. And, and I started eating. And I realized this mi this goreng was a little bit more salty than normal. It was because my tears were dropping into it. You know, and, and, uh, and I started asking myself all kinds of questions. What am I doing? How am I going to get back on my feet? Uh, you know, and, and, and things were going well. How did it suddenly come into this kind of a situation? Well... Today I want to talk about something very similar to that, and it's found in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 20. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and we'll be reading through this chapter, uh, so let's take it as we go along. But first let me set this up to you. This story is about King Jehoshaphat. 
King Jehoshaphat was a fat king. No, his just name was, he was just like too fat. No, just too fat. But King Jehoshaphat was a cool king, okay? And um, he was a guy who kind of like did a lot of reforms. He got everyone back together. Uh, he was the son of King Asa uh, of the southern kingdom in, in, in Judah. And he was uh, someone who got everyone back. He traveled around the country to get people back to know the Lord, you know, and back to the worship of the Lord, you know, and it was something that's really, uh, something good that he did. He was about 35 years old when he became the king, and this was around 913 BC, and he was known for his religious reforms. So let's just read a little bit about him on, in Second Chronicles 19, verses 3 and 4. Go ahead, Ali. Nevertheless, good things are found in you, in that you have removed the wooden images from the land and have prepared your heart to seek God. So Jehoshaphat dwelt at Jerusalem, and he went out again among the people from Beersheba to the mountains of Ephraim and brought them back to the Lord God of their fathers. He traveled across the country and brought people back to the Lord God Almighty. There was a sense of, let's get together and worship the, the Lord God of our fathers. So let's pick up the story here in Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1 onwards. It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in the Hazazon Tamar which is in Agen Gedai. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord and from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Now the Moabites, the Ammonites and the people of Mount Seir were three groups of large countries and they got together and they combined forces and they were coming against the people of Judah. They wanted to attack this, this land. And you look at verse 3, that Jehoshaphat feared. Jehoshaphat feared. The message translation of this verse was that he was shaken. He was shaken. You know, a lot of times we can get shaken as well, whether it's uh, situations in our family, whether it's health situations, fear can set in. You know, I remember sitting and eating that, that mee goreng and, I'm, and, and, and I was like, I didn't know where I was going to get money from, what, what, where my next meal was going to come from. It, it was a very low period of my life. But from this passage, I just want to share with you three ways in which we can be positioned for the unexpected. That's the title of my message, Positioned for the Unexpected. The first point is this. We need to recount the faithfulness of God. Recount the faithfulness of God. See, Jehoshaphat feared, but he set himself to seek the Lord. Not just him, but all of Judah. He gathered the entire, uh, the entire country of Judah all together because he knew these enemies were great and they were marching against them. And once he gathered them, he, he begins to declare who God is and his faithfulness to the people of, of Israel and to Judah. Let's read verse 5 to verse 12. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord before the new court, and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might, so that no one is able to withstand you? 
Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession which you have given us to inherit. O oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. He begins to declare the faithfulness of God in the hearing of the entire population around. He's gathered all of them in front of the court and he's now declaring, Are you not God in heaven? Do you not rule over the kingdoms of the nations? In your hand is there not power and might? Are you not our God who drove, us, drove out the inhabitants of this land and gave us this land? He's saying all of this to declare who God is, but also in the hearing of, the entire, of all Judah so that they will come to a realization, they will come to a realization that look, this God who has been with us through that season is going to be the same God who's going to be with us through this season. The God who was with us through that season is going to be with us in this season. He's declaring it to the crowd. And he says, for we have no power against this great multitude. There's three huge nations coming against us. Nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. But our eyes are upon you. About three, uh, about three weeks ago, my daughter had a uh, very high fever. And uh, she had it for over the weekend. And then uh, um, and we were just, just managing the fever and things like that. And then uh, on Monday... Uh, there was, there was something to do in church, so I came uh, and, did, and I went back. She was at home. She was uh, on, the, on the sofa just lying down, and, 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 and her eyes were glazed. And I realized, look, the temperature's pretty high. Uh, let's, let's take her to the doctor, and, and, and because she was not responding to the Panadol just for a while, and then the fever comes back. So by the time we got to, to A&E, I didn't realize how high the temperature was. And uh, when, when we measured the temperature, it was 40, which is pretty high. 40 degrees, and then, but you, if you know my daughter, she's, she's a tornado. That's, that's the only way to describe her, she's a tornado. She's like all over the place, running all over the place, she's constantly full of energy and, and stuff like that, but she was just limp in my arms, you know, and she was just limp in my arms, and, and I was like, uh, you know, uh, for most people who have a medical background and all that, you know, okay, that's, that's pretty normal for kids to do. But when you're a father and you're carrying uh, your child and, and she's limp, and like, you know, all these thoughts start coming into your head. Oh, uh, you, know, you know, if your fever's too high, you know, you can get brain damage. You know, what if it's this? What if it's that? And all of that. And, 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 and um, you know, so, but the doctors in the, in the ER were, were really good and they uh, managed to, I think two of them are here. Okay. So they, 
they handled the situation really well and, and realized the doctor needed to be um, uh, admitted and, uh, and, and managed the fever. So for the next four, four days, she was admitted and, and the infection was taken care of. But there was a point, I didn't show it outside, but there was a point where there was fear. It just crept in. It just crept in and said, she's going to be okay, right? She's going to be okay, right? She's going to be okay, right? Anyway, and I think any parent will have that kind of a feeling or reaction to a child at some point of your life. Uh, when, you're, when, you're, when you don't have kids and, and you're, you're a teenager and you're not, you don't have a care in the world, then suddenly your world changes when you have kids and everything begins to, you know, it, it becomes a, a big issue. But then when you look at King Jehoshaphat, he says all of these things. He says, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. But our eyes are upon you. But our eyes are upon you. He ends the prayer with that, and then he says, having the right perspective always determines our reaction to situations. Okay, I'm going to give you about 30 seconds to try and absorb this little comic. I can see the wheels in your head turning. Do you get it? No? Weird, right? You come to church, you must use your brain sometimes. <laughs> How many of you got it? Okay, a few of you. Okay, for those of you who did not get it, let me just quickly take you through. This guy who's painting is actually a rhino, right? And he's, he's, he's done quite a lot of paintings all over the place. But every one of his paintings has his own horn in the painting. Do you see it? Whatever, whatever he paints, he paints, but then there is always his own horn. So if you're constantly looking at the big horn in front of you, you're not going to get the big picture. If you're constantly looking at the big situation in front of you or the problem in front of you, you're not going to see the work of God around you and the capacity of what God can do. We can't focus on the great God who has seen it all and has our lives in the palm of his hands. You know, just at that point when, when, when I was taking my daughter in and, and, and she was being treated and stuff, I just said, Lord, she's your child. I'm her father, but she is your child. So I surrender her into your hands and, and I know you will see us through. And true enough, it happened. My second point is this. Position yourself in obedience. Position yourself in obedience. Let's read verse 14 to 19. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehazel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite son of his sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, Listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, Thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. 
Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. God says those amazing words, do not be afraid, do not fear, do not fear or be dismayed. You know, fear has a way of, of, of gripping us and, 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 and crippling us. Again and again, whenever God speaks in the Bible, if you look at it, He says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And then He says His words, the battle is not yours, but God's. The battle is not yours, but God's. Basically, what they're describing in that, in that region in, uh, in a, is that it was a valley. They would be gathering in a valley, and the enemy will be on a higher position. So that, if you look at in, in war times, whoever has the higher position has the advantage. But this time, the enemy is in the higher position. But what God is saying, go to that, even to that valley, but the battle is mine, and the victory is yours. So God actually is fighting the battle for them and says, just go and show up. You see, our, our spiritual posture is so important in life. We can't walk around like a defeated person. Even in difficult times, in the, in the seasons of our lives where it can be a little bit more difficult, we know that, that God works all things for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Let's read Exodus chapter 14 and 15. 17 uh, verses 14 and 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called its name Yehovah Nisi. The Lord is my banner, for he said, Because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. It's the same Amalek group that, that, that disturbed Moses is now disturbing uh, King Jehoshaphat. And they're coming against him. And he says, they, they had a battle. You remember the story when, when Moses had his hands up, the Israelites were winning. When, when his hands were down, then the Israelites were losing. Well, this is at the end of that battle. And Moses builds up an altar and says, this is, the Lord is my banner, Yehovah Nisi. The Lord is my banner. And a banner in war is, is so important because it is the one that is, it is something that you fight for. It's something that you fight for. It's something different because you look at the banner, you get inspired and you fight for. It's something like our national flag. When you see our national flag go up, there, there's, a, there's a sense of pride coming up. You know, our guys, uh, there were some Malaysians who went to, to France recently and they won this, this worldwide pastry competition. And when they won the competition, they, they were going to uh, play the, the national anthem, the Malaysian national anthem, and it took some time for them to find the Malaysian national anthem because they had never played it before. And finally, when they found it, they played the national anthem, and you could see our guys, they were just glowing with pride. It was, it's something like that. The banner that waves gives you an, an inspiration to fight. But what, what, what the Lord says to Moses and what Moses declares is, the banner, the Lord himself is our banner. That we don't need to fight, that he fights for us. He's the one that carries us through that season. He raises the standard. And we are his consecrated soldiers set apart for the Lord. And as Christians, we do have a battle to fight. And we constantly have to recognize that we are on God's side. Or better still, God is fighting for us. God is fighting for us. See, our mental 
spiritual and sometimes physical posturing is so important. Especially when we go through that season of uncertainty, of, of doubt maybe. In a good season, it's easy to have a good posture. But in a, in a season of the valley, it's hard to have a, a good posture. But we need to begin to adapt that in our lives. Christine Kane in her book says this, The trial is refining you. The test is maturing you. The valley is preparing you. The delay is disciplining you. And God is working for you. You know, Chinese New Year can be a very difficult time. When you come together as a family, there are some questions that you get asked. Especially from relatives who don't see you that often. Oh, you're still single, ah? Not married yet, ah? Or if you once you're married, oh, married already, no children yet, ah? And then once you have, oh, one child already, well, you, you don't want number two, ah? Then after you have number two and number three, oh, you know, your, your grandfather had five, you know, are you stopping at three, ah? You know, these kind of questions come in, the stress that happens around Chinese New Year sometimes, you know? But there's also a lot of joy. You come together as a family, you come together, you rejoice, you, you see each other, you catch up, and there's a lot of good things that can come out of that. But in this situation, in, in this season, when, when Jehoshaphat was facing the situation, he does something really interesting. Look at verse 18 and 19. This is going to blow you away. Verse 18 and 19. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshipping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. Jehoshaphat and the entire population of Judah, when they heard that God's going to fight the battle for them, all they need to just is to position themselves so that the, the battle will be won. They bowed down in worship. But there were these two groups of people, these Korahites and, and, Kor Korahites and, and Kor Kotahites. They're from Forest Heights, I think. You know, but <laughs> Korahites and Kotahites, these two guys, these were special groups of people, okay? One was, was, was uh, they all Levites, but they, they, weren't, they were priests, some of them. And, and the Korahites, let me get that right, the Kotahites, right? These guys were the ones serving in the temple. They're the ones handling all the sacred things, the, the, the lampstand, the, the sacred bread. They were the ones serving in the temple. And these Korahites, they were the worship team. They were the ones who sang praises. They were the musicians. But something happened when God spoke to this congregation. Everyone bowed down in worship. But these two guys, these two groups of people who were used to being in the presence of God, who were used to worshiping God day in, day out, they suddenly realize I cannot sit still. I cannot sit still in the presence of God. When God gives us a victory, when God takes us through this season, I can't sit still. Look at what they did. Come on. What did they do? Oh my God, I'm alone here. What did they do? They jumped up and worshiped God. They jumped up and they worshiped God. I was hoping one of you would jump up and say, hallelujah, but okay, never mind. But they jumped up. Entire population bowed down in reverence. Oh, but these people, they were used to being in the presence of God. They recognized that God is giving them a victory, a supernatural victory. 
and they jumped up and they started doing what they were doing day in and day out through the entire season. When the good seasons and in the bad seasons, they were doing it. They jumped up and they worshipped God. Let's read verse 20 to 25 while I catch my breath. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. So when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude, and there were their dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies and precious jewelry, which they stripped off for themselves, more than they could carry away. And there, and they, there were three days gathering the spoil because there was so much. Jehoshaphat does something unheard of. He takes the worship team, these guys who jumped up and worship. He, he gets them together and he says, you lead the army. You lead the army. I will lead it, but you go out ahead of the army. And he goes out with this entire army, and he goes out, and he says, he, he, and he declared that they should sing the praises and the beauty and the hope, the holiness of the Lord. They said, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And when they sang, look at verse 22. Well, now when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes. Who set ambushes? The Lord set ambushes for the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. Ammon, Moab, and Moab combined forces and started to fight the people of Mount Seir and destroyed them. And once they had destroyed them, Ammon turned against, against the other group. The Ammonites fought the Moabites and they all killed each other. By the time the, 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 the army of Judah had arrived, they were all annihilated. And all they had to do was to take the spoils of war. And so my final point is this. We need to worship through the uncertainty. We need to worship God through the uncertainty. When we are unclear, when we, are, we don't know what's going on, when we, we are going through that season where, where things are uncertain, it's time to worship the Lord. It's time to set our hearts before Him. You know, we, 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 we see this a few times happening before. When, when Joshua was leading the people into the promised land, when he had to cross the river Jordan, he set out the, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant, being the, the presence of God, leading them. And when the priests put their, their foot in the water, the water began to pile up, and they crossed the Jordan on, on, on dry land. Again, when they were going to take Jericho, it was the priests that led. They went around Jericho seven times, and they blew the horn and it fell out, and the whole wall fell down. You know the story. 
You see, when we lift our voices in praise, when we lift our spirits in worship, there is a supernatural transaction that takes place. Can I have the worship team up? Something happens in the supernatural, not just in our spirit, but it changes the atmosphere. It changes the situation. When we raise a hallelujah to the Lord, there is a change that takes place. When we go through that good season, we can raise a hallelujah. When we go through the, the season where it's difficult, continue to raise that hallelujah. Continue to praise, continue to just show up. Even in the fear, even in the uncertainty, even in the struggle, keep showing up. Keep showing up in your time of worship. Keep showing up in your time of prayer. Keep showing up in church because church is what God has destined for each and every one of us. It, the church is God's plan. The church is God's plan for us. Keep showing up in church. Keep showing up in cell. Keep showing up in prayer meeting. Keep showing up and allow God's presence and His purpose to be accomplished in your life. We need to raise a hallelujah in our lives, regardless of the season that we go through. Now the youth have a, have a, a theme for this year. What's your theme? Come on, say it again. Fearless. Fearless. And they did something really good in YDS last uh, week when, when Pastor, uh, Pastor Jen preached, yes. And, and, and he, he was almost like in a boxing match. And when he was not prepared, he was beaten up. But when he took a position, when he took a position, he knew what was coming. He was able to block. But we need to take a position, not physically, but we need to take a position spiritually. Our heart needs to be ready. Our spirit needs to be ready at all times. Even when we go through a season of joy, like what we're going through in Chinese New Year now, come on, have that, raise that hallelujah and thanksgiving. Raise that hallelujah in worship that you come together as a family, that you have the privilege of coming together yet another year. But if you're going through that season of the valley, all the more we need to raise that hallelujah all the more that we need to lift our voices in praise and say, God, you are the God that has seen me through that season. You are the same God who's going to see me through this season. You know that word hallelujah, it's, it's a powerful word. It's made of two Hebrew words. One which says, it means to, an, an exhortation to a group of people to, to praise someone or something. And the word Yah is, is Yahweh, our God. So in, in the old translation where it says, you know the song, Praise ye the Lord, hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord, that's exactly what it means. It says, come, come together, let's praise the Lord. Let's praise our God. You know that night when I went, after eating and looking through the coins in, uh, in my car for food, for money to pay for food, I went home and I cried to the Lord. I sat down and said, Lord, what are you going, what are you taking me through? What season are you taking me through? Why are you allowing me to go through this? I took out my guitar and I just started worshipping the Lord. I said, Lord, whatever you want me to learn in this season, let it be done, O oh God. Let it be done. The next week, I had two interviews lined up. 
In two weeks' time, both the interviews offered me a job with a higher pay. And within a month or two, I was gradually getting back on my feet. It may not be as fast for some of you, but let me tell you, the same God who carried me through is the same God who's going to carry you through every season. The good seasons and the bad seasons. You know, some of you are approaching another season, which is like maybe you're retired, you know, you're going through the empty nest maybe, and you're going and you're asking God, what do you have in store for me? What is it for this season? It's time we look back and say, God, you have, you have saw me through all these seasons of my life. And now when I'm approaching retirement, when I'm approaching this section, this season of my life, what do you want me to do? That's the question we should be asking. And for some of you, you're approaching the season of your life where you're, you're beginning to start work or going to college or getting married or going to have kids or just had kids. There's so many seasons in life. You have summer, autumn, spring, winter. In Malaysia, you have hot and hotter, wet and wetter. But even those are seasons. And one of the most favorite seasons of my wife, the durian season. We know and recognize the seasons. But do we recognize the God of the seasons? Do you recognize the God that leads you through Chinese New Year is also be the God who's going to lead you to Hari Raya and Deepavali and Christmas? Recognize the seasons of our lives and recognize the God of our seasons. Position yourself. We need to recount the faithfulness of our God. We need to position ourselves in obedience in that season. What God do you want me to do in that season? And especially in times of uncertainty, in times where we don't know what's going on, we need to worship Him. We need to worship through that season. You know, I want to encourage you today. If you're getting together as families in the next one week, especially if you've got family or friends who are unsaved, this is a great time to share God's love. Just be there for the person, love them, care for them. There's an opportunity to say I'm sorry to some relatives. Take it. That father in the video that you saw earlier in that ad, there was pride in him, yes. And the son had pride as well. But the father broke down that barrier and said, I'm going to carry you, son, through this season and I'm going to see you walk again. And there was one scene, I don't know whether you caught it, when the father was carrying the, the son, the son started to cry his own pride was broken down. You know, we all need help at particular seasons of our lives. We have an opportunity now to ask God for help. And we have an opportunity to be that help for others. We are blessed to be a blessing. Can we just close our eyes and just look to the Lord? Jesus.
God. Mercy is falling, falling. Lift up your hands, receive it now. You're in the presence of the Lord. Mercy is falling, falling. Lift up your hands, receive it now. Here in the
Lord, that you will raise them to that next level, O Lord, where they can continue to be a blessing, where they can continue to sow into others' lives, where they can be people of influence, O God, to raise them up to even greater heights, O God. That this Chinese New Year season, O Lord, they will be a blessing to countless people around them, O God. And from this season onwards, O God. And Father, for those in that second season, O oh Lord, those who are struggling right now, who are, who are finding it difficult to cope, O oh God, who are just seeking direction and leading from you, O oh God, Father, I pray that you will show up, O oh God, that Lord, that you will intervene in this situation, that Lord, you will speak to them, whatever that you want them to, to just learn in the situation, O oh Lord, that you will, you will just be so real in our lives right now, O oh God. That there will be an opening of our eyes and our spirits, O oh God, that you will just raise us up, O oh Lord, to greater heights. Lord, that you will take us through the season, that you are the God that walked with us through every season, that you will also walk with us in this season, O oh God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.